Stephen? The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, uh, the voice of the African perspective. Yes, that's what we're about, giving you that uh, viewpoint that comes from this beautiful, beautiful continent. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama, right here on African Dialogue. Remember, we're on the shortwave service on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. And uh, don't forget that you can also tune in on DSTV on the audio bouquet. Uh, we're on Channel 802 there. And uh, online we're on www.channelafrica.co.za where you can stream us live. Well, today is um, World Albinism Day, a very important day, especially on the African continent where we still see discrimination and crimes against the albinism community. The United Nations General Assembly proclaimed this day as such on the 18th of December in 2014. We're going to look at the challenges that the albinism community faces and also how do we debunk some of the taboos that are associated with the community. And uh, before we get into that, uh, let's quickly move on and get our news. And Musa is standing by. In the headlines, Congolese opposition leader Felix Tshisekedi calls on SADC chairperson Cyril Ramaphosa to ensure a conducive environment for the upcoming elections in the DRC. Britain joins the United States in, in advising its citizens against travelling to northeastern Mozambique after a series of attacks. And the Saudi-led coalition launches an attack on the Yemeni port city of Hodeida. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. The Democratic Republic of Congo's opposition leader, Felix Tshisekedi, has called on South African President Cyril Ramaphosa as the SADC chair to ensure a conducive environment for the upcoming elections in the DRC. Tshisekedi also called on the international community to assist with the repatriation of the remains of his father, Etienne, who died in Belgium a year ago. He has accused the DRC government of delaying the repatriation. That's a very painful uh, uh, situation for me and for my family. Um, it, it's torture. It's, uh, it's very painful. Uh, but, uh, Madame, that shows you the true nature of the regime of Kabila. Uh, it's a regime that is uh, very insensitive to people's feelings, um, to individual rights. Um, and to what people really want. They are just insensitive. You know, as long as they're in power, they don't care about anybody else. That's why they're treating people the way they're treating people. The Saudi-led military coalition has launched its threatened assault in Yemen's port city of Hodeida, which is led by the Iranian-backed Houthi rebels. The BBC's Frank Gardner reports. 
From the air, land and sea, Saudi-led coalition forces have reportedly begun their assault on the outskirts of the rebel-held city of Hodeidah in an operation dubbed Golden Victory. Yemen's Houthi rebels have controlled the vital port city for more than three years. Aid agencies say any attack on the city of 600,000 would be a humanitarian catastrophe. But Yemen's foreign minister told the BBC the decision to force the Houthis out of Hodeidah was taken more than a year ago. He said the window of diplomacy was shutting down and that a deadline given to the UN to force the Houthis to abandon the port was agreed by all members of the Saudi-led coalition. Britain has advised its citizens against travelling to an area in northeastern Mozambique after a series of attacks by militant groups. At least 17 people have been killed, 10 of them beheaded since May in the town of Palma in Cabo Delgado province near the Tanzanian border. The United Kingdom joins the United States in issuing a warning about the attacks. Mozambique has not been a focal point of militant activity, but people in the affected area have dubbed the attackers Al Shabab after the group that is active in Somalia and Kenya. People with albinism have pleaded with the public to treat them with respect and not harm or kill them. This was the message at an event to raise awareness about the plight of people with albinism at Emalakleni in South Africa's Mpumalanga province as the world commemorates International Albinism Day. The Emalakleni local municipality, NGOs and advocacy groups for people with albinism are holding a series of meetings against the attack on people. Eric Lubisi reports. They decide to make something and form something against us. A passionate plea for their right to life and dignity to be respected. Trifinantlapo with albinism says people like her suffer all sorts of discrimination. She says they are called names and hunted like animals because of their skin condition. And finally, the 2026 World Cup contest has been engulfed in intrigue about whether President Donald Trump's rhetoric on immigration and foreign policy will cost North America votes. The joint bid from the United States, Canada and Mexico will go up against Morocco when members of the World Body FIFA's Congress vote for the hosts this afternoon. Morocco's bid is also in jeopardy. Its control of Western Sahara has seen African votes split more than usual. The South African government has instructed the country's football organization SAFA not to vote for Morocco because of the ruling ANC's long support for the region's independence. Recapping the top stories, Congolese opposition leader Felix Tshisekedi calls on SADC chairperson Cyril Ramaphosa to ensure a conducive environment for the upcoming elections. Britain joins the United States in advising its citizens against travelling to northeastern Mozambique after a series of attacks. And the Saudi-led coalition launches an attack on the Yemeni port city of Hodeida. South Africa, it's here. The inaugural Soweto International Jazz Festival 2018. It's a global celebration of Soweto from Thursday, June the 14th to Sunday, June the 17th at the state-of-the-art Soweto Theatre Festival Complex.
Join Channel Africa as we broadcast live from the inaugural Soweto International Jazz Festival 2018. Channel Africa bringing you the African perspective. South Africa, it's here. The inaugural Soweto International Jazz Festival 2018. It's a global celebration of Soweto from Thursday, June 14th to Sunday, June 17th at the state-of-the-art Soweto Theatre Festival Complex. Win tickets to the Soweto International Jazz Festival 2018. Just answer these two simple questions. Number one. Name two artists that will be performing on the 15th of June, 2018. And number two, why do you want to go to the Jazz Festival? Well, uh, thank you for joining us uh, today on our program, right here on African Dialogue. Remember, we're on various platforms on Shortwave, on DSTV, and also to those who listen to us on our website. Uh, thank you to our community that's always loyal to African Dialogue. Well, uh, today we're looking at a World Albinism Day. People with albinism plead with the public uh, to treat them with respect, not harm or kill them. This was uh, the message at a candle lighting event uh, to raise awareness awareness about the plight of people with albinism at Emahleni, rather, Emahleni in South Africa's Mpumalanga province. As the world commemorates International Albinism Day today, the local municipality there and NGOs and advocacy groups for people with albinism are holding a series of meetings against the attack on people with albinism. Eric Lubisi reports. The reason why I am so emotional, I was just asking God, why didn't you take me in her place? Tapsila was only 13 years old. Our sin is this skin of ours. There is nothing special about us, but because people are lazy to work, they decide to make something and form something against us. A passionate plea for their right to life and dignity to be respected. Trifinan Lapo with albinism says people like her suffer all sorts of discrimination. She says they are called names and hunted like animals because of their skin condition. She has called for harsher sentences to the four suspects accused of killing Gabside Shabani with albinism for multi-purposes. Thirteen-year-old Shabani and her one-year-old cousin were kidnapped at their home in Malahleni earlier this year. Shabani's body was later found with missing body parts. Nslapo has called for the end to the beliefs that some people have about those with albinism. We are saying to you, stop killing us. Can it end with Gapsile? It was not supposed to happen, but it has happened. We have allowed a stranger in our city to dominate and kill us. So we plead with you. <coughs> to stop killing us. It ends now. 
And every time you look at a person with albinism in Amalakheni, just remember that not in your name that another person with albinism will ever be killed for muti rituals. Recently, a number of attacks on people with albinism for their body parts were reported in the province. In another incident, a board of a person with albinism was stuck up and mutilated at Pinari Nyembombela. The Emalachian municipality has committed to continue with the awareness campaigns. The mayor of Emalachian, Lina Malachi, says the municipality will give support to the Shaban family and those with albinism. The family is grieved because we can't bury the children and it is painful for the family. That is why we continue to support them. That's why we continue to say to them, we are with you. We know it's not easy, but with the support that the Emalashani community is giving and all the stakeholders, we believe they are receiving comfort. On Tuesday, the community of Emalashani with some organizations from Swaziland gathered at the Oshukpora Gate as part of the awareness campaign. Togozanim Sibi, believed to be the mastermind behind the kidnapping and killing of Shaban and her cousin, is from Swaziland. Some of the campaigns include distribution of pamphlets to motorists and door-to-door in communities. I'm Eric Lubisi at Forsman in Emalacheni. Well, uh, that is a sad story there of uh, the continued killings that we are seeing of the albinism uh, community and there is the plight of the uh, Malacheni people there calling for a stop to this. Uh, and that's what we're looking at uh, today, looking at uh, World Albinism Day, which has been declared uh, uh, on to be this day on the 18th of December in 2014. This came after the United Nations Human Rights Council adopted a resolution in 2013 which called for the prevention of discrimination against uh, persons with albinism. Although it is difficult to get accurate statistics, I've tried really even before the program yesterday on crimes against the albinism community. It is very difficult to do so. so, But we know that it is a well-known fact that many are attacked in African countries such as Malawi, Burundi, South Africa and Tanzania. This is because we know that it is believed in parts of southern and eastern Africa that body parts of those living with albinism are believed to hold magic uh, powers. We know that's a big taboo and a stigma that should be debunked in African communities. Well, helping us on this subject matter, we've got uh, Puleng Mulebazi, who is my colleague here at Channel Africa, an activist and broadcaster. Uh, she joins us today. Uh, I don't want to call her an albino because I don't think I would want to be called by my by by, by my skin pigment pulling. So I'm gonna try to uh, stay away from also that uh, association pulling. But uh, thank you for giving us your time, um, pulling. As someone who is in the albinism community, uh, tell us a little bit about you growing up with albinism because I think sometimes we think people with uh, albinism are very different to people who have a different pigmentation and it's not that different really uh, tell us a little bit about your childhood because that's where the stigma starts don't they mm. but, but before i give a background a background of myself is um it's no longer an albino it's a person with albinism okay yes and, and that information is slowly filtering through you know the media different platforms tell us what's the difference between that uh, mm. a person with albinism and and just saying an albino, an albino yes. so albino itself it's something 
Uh, and albino itself, it's, it's when, when there's no pigment. So you find that in, in animals, in plants, mm-hmm. and in human beings. So okay. to give the human beings the dignity of yes. being you different from an animal in a plant, it's mm-hmm. you put the person first, mm-hmm. and then you put the condition after, because okay. I'm not the condition before mm-hmm. I'm a human being. Okay. So it's a person with albinism. Great. Mm. Yeah, so tell us about yourself. So I grew up in a, in a township called Tabanchu in the Free State Province mm. here in South Africa. And um, when, I mean, when I was when I was younger, my mom always just said, you're a special child. And everyone around me just loved me mm. uh, because I was different. I was the only person with albinism in my family. Mm. But as I started to, to play with other children, um, you know, then I, I started noticing that I was different. Mm. Because some other children would look at me and some other children would ask, oh, why are you white? And someone, they would literally come to you and touch you because they don't know why you're lighter and they mm. are darker. Mm. And then, um, of course, I go to my mom and my mom would just say, no, you're a special child, you're a child of God, all of that stuff. Mm. But, you know, she also didn't understand the condition because when I was born, the nurses didn't know either what to tell her. Mm. All she knew is that I've got a very beautiful baby mm. and so she couldn't give me information. Uh, unfortunately, she passed on when I was 14 mm. and I believe even then she still didn't know much about albinism, that it's just genetic, but she thought it was just a gift from God. Mm. And uh, in terms of that, that interaction with your community growing up, up, um, did you start uh, realizing yourself that, hey, my mom might have not told me that I am different due to my pigmentation, but now I'm starting to realize that there is something different. Did you start seeing those kind of associations growing up? Mm. So for me, the only thing I didn't, even on my street, everybody knew me, so no one teased me. However, mm. if that one child who's not from my street would come and tease me, mm. me and my cousins and all my friends would come and say, yo, you don't mess with, with bullying, you know. Mm. So I had love, support, <laughs> and, and partnership, you know. I had, mm. had my team. Mm. Um, but, you know, with, with people with urbanism, what we have is also eyesight is, eyesight, our eyesight is affected. So mm. I don't have 100% vision. Mm. And growing up, I didn't know about contact lenses and all of that. So my eyesight was poor. Mm. However, so I would, I mean, some kids would be like, hey, look at that. And I'll be like, what? What are you talking about? Mm. Not knowing that, no, it also affects the eyes. And mm. even my family didn't know. Mm. So they just thought I'm just lazy. I don't want to look or, or anything like that. So mm. yes, those little things that creep, crept in when I was playing with other children uh, did make me feel like, yes, I am different from other kids. Well, you are a unique case. Not everyone has uh, uh, a positive um, li- backdrop or a background to speak about in terms of uh, how they grew up having albinism. I'm sure you've he- heard other stories that are very different from yours where there was a real onslaught and discrimination in communities um, in your in, in in the work that you do currently, mm. what are the real challenges for people growing up and living with albinism? I was listening to the package that you were playing, and you know some of these things. I bet when you were sitting there as as an anchor of the show, mm. you can only just imagine. You can mm. only have a picture. I've mm. been there. Yeah. I went to a memorial service of Kolani Mkiza, whose body was dug was dug up. Mm. Um, a, um, a tombstone unveiling. Mm. Um, in in Binara was there. Mm. Um, to think that we had to gather under those circumstances, it broke my heart. That mm. even in death, you can't rest as a person with albinism. People come to your grave and feel the need to cut your your arms and your legs off. Mm. So his family was forced to to cremate him. So to think, um, you know, so I've been there. So since that day, mm. I've never been the same. You know, I, mm. I've, I've realized that this is serious. And you know how as young people, we sort of see Africa as another, it's, 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 it's a province there and then there's South Africa. Yeah. But then you realize it's all, we're all in one continent because mm. it's a fact, you know, first mm. and foremost. But also issues that we think that they're, diff- they're far from us, they're actually closer than we think. Mm. So, um, 
Kolani's issue, Kabisile's issue, mm. um, their death affects me. You know, mm. I may still be alive and be able to talk to you now. Mm. But the fact that they died simply because they looked exactly like myself, mm. it means that the world I live in is a sick society that needs to be healed. Well, let me bring in uh, Brigadier Lena Tlati, who is uh, joining us from Bumalang and probably has been working with various cases that have to do with the deaths associated with people who have uh, albinism. Uh, Brigadier, how big is this problem of uh, the killings of uh, people with albinism? Maybe let me start with, uh, you know, greeting you, Benjamin, and also the versatile bullying that you are having in your studio. Morning. Thank you very much for that. Morning, Pule. <laughs> right. Benjamin, to answer your question, yes, we, we had two cases at which people with albinism were, you know, given, you know, a wrong treatment. One is Karusile Ahir Pule is talking about, and the other one is Tolani. And on these two cases, uh, one is too many, you know, whenever something sure. arrives has been lost. So we are sympathizing committee members to say this is wrong. It can't happen like this. We can't have a sick society at which or the society that we live in we perceive others as their bodies can bring them luck. So unfortunately we had these two cases in Pumalanga. Tolami his body his body was stuck up after he died naturally and we found that you know some of his body limbs were cut off. And we know of oh. that she was kidnapped, uh, you know, along with uh, her cousin, oh. a 15-month-old boy, uh, of which also was killed. And according to the narratives that we got from the, the investigation is that he was mistook uh, for the other boy who's also living with, I mean, another boy with albinism uh, in the same house mm. that uh, he was staying, or he was staying with Okabi. And unfortunately, he also lost his life. Then Ukarisilo also, you know, in a very much barbaric way, lost her life because according to what we have gathered, she was killed. I mean, she, her body parts were mutilated while she was still alive. Huh. So that's what we have thought. So this is, you know, one too many and in a very much gruesome way. So we're saying... Let us be activists, all of us. Mm. And I'm happy that you're bringing in, in the continent so that everybody should listen to say, enough is enough. As police also, we are embracing, you know, the people uh, with alpinism because they are human beings just mm. like us. As ourselves, as police, investigating this type of cases, believe you me, Benjamin, our tears are dropping down mm. when we get information from the suspects after having arrested them, that they tell us why are they doing this. So this is as unf- called for. It's barbaric, it's evil, it's wrong. This mm. has to come to an end. Well, we'll kind of unpack the question of why uh, and um, want to get your first-hand uh, response, Brigadier, on what uh, these criminals are saying about why they're actually partaking in such a crime. And if you're just joining now, we have Buleng Mulebazi, uh, who is an activist and a broadcaster, activist in the albinism community. We also have Brigadier uh, Leonard Tlati, who is uh, working in Bumalanga. And we'll come
come back to these big questions and uh, I think the big question we should really unpack, why are we seeing the continued discrimination and why are the stigmas and taboos uh, still maintained even after we're seeing that historically in the last five years we've been talking about the same thing over and over again but uh, we're seeing slow changes. Changes are happening but they're happening very slow. Uh, We'll deal with that uh, after we come back after this break. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunye Nzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Well, uh, very, very worrying uh, um, stories that we're hearing, especially from Brigadier Leonard Lati about those uh, two killings that we saw in Mpumalanga, where he's from. Uh, we also have Buleng Mulebats who's joining us in our studio today. We're unpacking really the issue of uh, World Albinism Day, which was actually introduced by the Human Rights uh, Council in the United Nations, uh, and uh, which was uh, really uh, about uh, calling for the prevention of discrimination against persons with albinism. Still, we have in Puleng the problem of stigma, taboos, and definitely things that lead to the discrimination that we're seeing. What are the real beliefs that people have on the ground that's creating uh, this kind of discrimination and the deaths even worse that we see? All right. So I, I believe that a lot of a lot of events wouldn't have happened. For example, um, if 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 society had a different understanding of what albinism is, you know, people in the Mpumalanga province, if they understood what albinism is, because if someone comes from a, a separate country, right, maybe they're not from Mpumalanga, they come from a neighboring country and they say, I want you to grab that girl or, or is, do you know of a person with albinism? Can you help us kill her? Um, I'd say, but why? And if they're saying, no, it's for body parts that I, I'd be like, but there's no such a thing. But the fact that maybe perhaps they believe or as human beings, we're so desperate and for money that we do not care. If you promise me 5,000 rent, I'll go and grab that girl and kill her because you probably also think that her life is worth 5,000 rent, you know. Um, so society believes in generational um, misconceptions that have been passed on to generations and, and what generations. are those? Is it just the fact that some body parts of those living with albinism are believed to hold magic powers? Is that the only thing that's driving this or are there also other associations that are a, a myth that are being associated with people with albinism? Can you unpack what people actually believe? Because some of us don't know what people are talking about and the narratives out there. Okay, so let me start here. Like, there's myths about every single thing in society, right? Mm. Um, I bet there's a myth about someone who's darker, mm. who, who's got more melanin than the, than, than, than the average black person. Mm. There's probably a myth going around about that. Mm. But 
there's not so much drive to, to grab them and kill them. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure the myths that are circulating about that is that perhaps there's something, but not the fact that they're not human. So what the main thing about people's albinism is that they've been seen as nothing nothing else. They're not, they're not human beings. Mm-hmm. They are not human. So therefore, if you want to grab one and kill one, it's okay. You can still grab a person with albinism and kill them. So that's the, that's the grounding myth that has gone on over the years. Mm-hmm. So and. That's the things that we need to look at and, 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 and interrogate. But that does not excuse any behavior in society. Mm, I don't care if they're saying that they're practicing as whatever. And I, I'm, I don't mean to be offensive, but if, 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 the, if the word that's out there is that it's witchcraft and it, they, there's people who are practicing witchcraft, if that's the case, right? Mm. We know why, right? We know why people with albinism are being killed. We know it's because of witchcraft in, in people who practice traditional healing under witchcraft, believing that they can use body parts and specifically of people with albinism. So this problem is not so general. It's now specific. Now that we know, what are we doing? What is the government waiting for? We know we've seen it has happened since 2012 in, in Tanzania, then went on. Now it's, it's, in, in, it's in Malawi. Now it's in South Africa. So it's all over. So what is the government waiting for? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Let me bring that to you, Brigadier. You, you were telling us uh, that uh, you also hear narratives from uh, the people who partake in these crimes. What are they saying? Yeah, thank you for that question, Benjamin. I, I want to take a cue from what Pulen is saying and advance further, you know, in your question that what we have already gathered, I'll give you two scenarios. One is a case of Okabisile at which the suspects told us that the, there are two guys of which you also have them in our books. They are the ones who approached a, a, a traditional healer. Uh, I think this one can't be called a traditional healer. This one straight uh, can be called as a witch. And they then said they needed you know, to have luck because they were operating a school. And they are also getting accused on that school because they were operating a fraudulent school. So they said they don't get much customers. So they, they needed more. And when approaching these particular individuals, that we're having in our books also. He then told them that you can only draw luck from a person with alpinism. Wow. A search ensued. And in that search, unfortunately, Gavisile happened to be the lamp for slaughter. Uh-huh. So she was then captured along with the brother and she was brutally killed. Now, I've got also another story. Unfortunately, on this one, it's not a person with albino. But, with albinism, but a young girl was three years old. She was abducted by her uncle, and she was killed. We did not find her body up until today. But in the process, we have arrested clergymen, and currently they are serving long jail terms because all of them, the six guys that were involved in that killing, have been sent to languishing jail for a very long time, mm-hmm. including. And an uncle of that little girl for that man. Now, let me then look into these scenarios. This side, we have we have clergymen, we have of course also yes. business people in wow. the killing of that three-year-old. We come to Kamisila, we have got also business people. Then you've got all these societal illness that we are having. So we've got business people, you've got uh, you've got uh, clergymen, you've got uh, uh, you know uh, traditional healers, or should I call them which you've got normal people that have got this myth mm. to say. People with al- albinism 
can bring them luck. So it's across the board. I mean, we do not, we do not, it's not a question of pointing fingers at any person. If everybody's problem is one. So we need to deal with it because there are people who are just drawing narratives which are wrong to say. Mm. Sometimes, I mean, another person can bring you luck. It does not exist because people who are practicing as real traditional leaders, they are dispelling this business. It does not exist. And people who are real business people, they are also telling us that we cannot make money by using body cards of other people. Mm-hmm. So which means we have got a section of committee members that are sick that need us to be active and involve them in terms of educating them. I am well, I'm, I'm happy with this program. Mm-hmm. But I, we need more of them. So we come only this month, but it has to be a 365 days education. We need to go out there as police. Everybody must go there. We must go out there and become robust in terms of taking this item because it can't continue. Brigadier Slati, what's worrying about what you're saying is that uh, the perpetrators of these crimes are people that should be seen as leaders within communities. You spoke about businessmen who are trying to get luck, clergymen who are supposed to be leading a more moral uh, society, and you're speaking about also traditional leaders, and we know some of these traditional leaders are very much central to the advancement of uh, some communities and that is a worrying factor where it is these people who are supposed to be leading society that are carrying these uh, uh, forms of uh, uh, mythical beliefs which are not true it is exactly uh, Benjamin that all these opinion leaders that our belief as police is that these are the people that are supposed to help us fight the scourge of crime mm. but you then find them in the other side you know, standing up us. So we are saying, when we love people like Kupule, who will come and talk and will open our eyes as, as, as a young girl to say, hey, wake up. This is a problem that is encroaching within the circles in South Africa. We need to stand up. All, all departments, all societal, you know, organizations, everybody who has got a voice let us talk. Open your mouth mm. and speak. Do not keep quiet because the problem is not in your yard. Do not cast your eyes over somebody else. But look at yourself. Let us all talk. Thank you, Benjamin, for you know for voicing this. Mm. For voicing this. Mm. Let us all engage robustly. So let us debate. And those that are involved, let let, let you know. Let us isolate them and bring them to book so that they can stand for their crime. Mm. I, I want to agree with you, to say. If you could to say you want some luck, then I tell you about killing somebody. Surely it, it could be that it's not for the first time that I'm doing that. Approach the law enforcers, let them put an eye on that it is worrying hey, to have that factor and that dynamic where you see community leaders being the ones actually entrenching these stereotypes. Mm, I, mean, you, I mean, people with albinism from other con- countries, they'll tell you that um, during election season, that's when they fear the most that politicians want to win elections. So oh. therefore, they feel they they would consult with whoever's practicing witchcraft. And I will not excuse anything that is happening right now. And and you know what? Kudos to people such as such as Brigadier Leonard because I think in his line of work he really is going beyond. Mm. Because a young lady with albinism told me in the dialogue that I had, which the whole two hours of it will unfold um, from this Saturday and the following Saturday, mm. that that um, 
she was attacked and a young man said, you know, I'm not going to be poor when you could bring me riches. Sure. Yet people in the community still jokingly call her my million, million dollar ticket. Wow. That is not a joke. People wow. die because of that. Yes. So if a law still think it's okay, sure, sure, sure. if I go to the police station and report, report that someone is calling me the million, million dollar ticket, because it's not a joke. Mm-hmm. It's no longer a joke because people are dying. Sure. Um, and then a policeman laughs in my face when What's I tell him that. Eh? No, the law need to be stricter. And if mm. you kill a person with albinism, you also need to be killed mm-hmm. if you kill someone else why do you have to be still alive to be honest the people who killed Kabisila got a life sentences and we know they're not going to be in prison for a lifetime they will be walking the streets in future so if we're still allowing such things to happen we're also just as guilty mm. well we're going to take a quick break uh, very very sad uh, conversation but when we come back uh, is the progress that has been made in terms of how communities relate with the albinism community uh, we know that uh, uh, we've seen a lot of uh, uh, alban- people with albinism actually coming into the mainstream and it's become almost uh, also part of pop culture. Uh, I'll bring that to you, Puleng, on how you think we've, we are making advancements on, on, on the imaging of uh, people with uh, albinism. Uh, we'll deal with those questions as we wrap it up after this. Are you interested in generating business leads, networking, forming new partnerships, and igniting growth opportunities? Then you will be interested in the Vision 2030 Summit. Themed Skills, Economic Growth, and Investment, the summit takes place from the 20th to the 21st of June at Emperor's Palace in Ekruleni, South Africa. Speakers include Bonang Mohale, Tsidiso Matuna, Nomalungalogina, Sai Mamabolo, Kanyisele Kweyama, and Risenga Malulega. Space is limited, but there is still time to book seats now at vision2030.co.za. That's vision2030.co.za. Or you can join Channel Africa on both days when we will be broadcasting live from the Vision 2030 Summit. Channel Africa bringing you the African perspective. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. A very emotional show for me today just because of uh, your pigmentation. You can be just killed and uh, because we have certain belief systems, uh, very much backward and false belief systems that actually uh, you know, take someone's life. That's still sad to see that in 2018 on the African continent. Reading the story on uh, the New York Times settled the Albino community in Ghana. I was reading it yesterday and just uh, like uh, Puleng was highlighting, they're quoting a girl by the name of Bernice Agboada in Ghana who's 15 years old who had to drop out of high school because she couldn't see uh, the blackboard and then two years later she could only come back to school and began to pay someone to take notes for her. It just shows really that we don't really know a lot about albinism in our communities and there's so much information out there but people still don't really know how to deal with it bullying I wonder why people don't care because I mean if a child has, has to drop out of out of school because they don't see the blackboard and the teacher and everyone else is okay with that mm. 
you know, we are a community. So when a, when a, when a, when, a, when a teenager, is it not because people just don't know? They don't. I don't think they mm, care because okay. if you don't know, why don't you find out? Mm, mm. Um, there are people who are totally blind, so they don't see. Mm. So in other words, you know, they're not going to be able to. I think it's just not being able to care. Mm. Um, she tells you she can't see the blackboard, so she makes that decision that she's going to drop out. Not a neighbor, not a cl- fellow classmate, not a mother of the classmate mm. or the teacher or principal says, mm. no, don't drop out. Mm. Come closer to the board. How mm. far do you see? Mm. There's things to take care of your eyes. It's just not caring about mm. albinism. Mm. You know, with that said, we have sp- seen changes of the imaging on, in pop culture of uh, people with albinism. Uh, what do you think of those changes? It's a, it's a, it's just like a little nudge mm. to, in a in a in a, in a right seen direction. In mod, we've seen models coming into the mainstream who have albinism. Do you think it's 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 a good thing, or do you think that we still need to have uh, a better n- narrative that's associated with that positive change? I think people with albinism period need to take charge of their own visual representation okay. they need to tell their own stories they need sure. to be the ones marching they need to be in 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 the police departments handling these cases they should there's there's, a, there's so much self empowerment that's needed in albinism code society mm. um so the fact that they are only now being given the platform it doesn't mean they didn't exist it mm. doesn't mean they were not beautiful it doesn't mean they couldn't model mm. they've been able to do all of these things it's just they were not given opportunities but now that we are here it's 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 just a little good step it's not a big thing you know um, because it should be a no it should be a norm for you to page through a magazine and see a model with a albinism you should be like whoa mm. now there's a wow look mm. at that it shouldn't be so rare we need mm. to move on where it's like it's okay, okay yeah when well, mm. we normalize it because yes, it is you normal. need to normalize albinism in yeah, life yeah, generally Brigadier, coming back to you as we're about to wrap it up, how do we change the tide? As you highlighted earlier on, the problem whereby we're seeing community leaders being the perpetrators of these crimes, systematically being involved in uh, these uh, uh, crimes. How do we change our mindsets as as, as communities? I'm, I'm sure as a police service, you can't be doing it alone as Brigadier Lena Klatt. I think it's a question of acceptance. And number two, morals. We've got a, a, a society that do not accept, you know, people with albinism as normal human beings. Looking into what is happening and all the wrongness that we are getting from the society or the people that we have arrested. And again, the morals that we are having. I, 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 I remember I had plenty talking about names, you know, that have been called. And those names, they still exist even to the end. The jokes that we are making about people with albinism, because normal people, even though they are not killing them or they are not guiding to kill, you know, people with albinism, but the language that is being used to say if you see a person with albinism passing, then you say there goes my, there go my millions, or that's my ATM, or whatever. Those things need to come to an abrupt end because you are perpetuating these issues to say people with albinism can bring you money. So why don't if ever a person with a black skin passing, you do not mention such words to say, there goes my, my business or my billions. There are no such talks. So I think there must be a change in our, mind, in our mindset. There must be a shift of dimension in our mind, in our minds to say, let us, not, let us now refrain from calling them by names. They are now called, you know, as I've said, that they are called by millions. They are now called by ATMs. They are now called by banks. All these ways. They need to fade away from our mm. minds. 
And that requires, you know, a lot of education, a lot of talk, a lot of platforms Mm. so that we can tackle this issue. Definitely platforms are needed. More conversations are needed to happen, Puleng. And on your show this weekend, you're going to be having various platforms in the next two weekends. Tell us a little bit about what Channel Africa listeners can actually expect from those uh, two shows and the times when they will be broadcast mm-hmm. on our radio station. For full conversation on on what's what's been unfolding in the Mpumalanga province, I mean, I spoke to Brigadier this past week. We had pre-recorded the show the the past Saturday, okay. and I learned a lot from that discussion. It's mm-hmm. funny also how how when you read a little article on 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 a, on a newspaper, People you show. don't know the whole information. So mm-hmm. the dialogue was very open. It, it it opened me to wanting to do more discussions. Like that's why we're sitting today. So uh, the Albinism report is on every Monday at mm-hmm. five past nine. Okay. Um, but yes, so our first discussion will be the following week, the next Monday. Yeah. We'll discuss um, what has been unfolding in the province yeah. and way forward. But also, there's just a multiple voices. There's people with albinism who were part of the discussion from the Mpumalanga yeah, province who gave their own feelings of how, what's going on. We had a traditional healers organization as oh, well great. who also spoke from their side. So we need to engage that way. I feel like with, with albinism, we should stop only just talking about the myths. What are your challenges? Because yeah. they become so subjective. Yeah. What about the overall? issue mm. and it's good when you do when you do albinism you look at what's currently happening mm. and how can you transform that mm. well uh, that is uh, what you can expect there from uh, Abuleng's program on Monday more comprehensive than this program as she did say that she spoke to traditional healers and people with albinism and also the police force on the various factors uh, that uh, deal with this particular issue but that's how we're going to wrap it up thank you to Puleng Muleba who has joined us in our studio. Thank you to Brigadier Lena Klati uh, joining us from Mpumalanga. Keep doing the great work and uh, and keep, uh, uh, you know, uh, making sure that we deal with this particular ill. And thank you for your time, Brigadier. Well, that's how we wrap it up. Thank you to you as well, Puleng, for giving us your time. Let's quickly move on and get our business news. And thereafter, we'll have our sports. Do stay tuned in right here on Channel Africa. I'm an actress. I'm a motivational speaker. Born with albinism. Um, the nurse first asked my mother, is your husband white? My mother said, no. Why are you asking me that question? When I grew up, there was no publication of person with albinism disappearing, mm. being stolen. You see, it was happening, but there was no exposure as it happened now. Hi, I'm Pule Mulebazi, the presenter of the Albinism Report, a program that demystifies myths and mysticism on albinism, highlighting challenges and achievements of people with albinism. Tune into the Albinism Report on the following times. Monday, 5 past 9 in the morning to quarter to 10 Central African time. And from 5 past 10 to quarter to 11 Central African time. Tuesday at 5 past 2 in the morning to quarter to 3 Central African time. The Albinism Report, an enlightened narrative with me, Ule Mulebazi, on Channel Africa from an African perspective.